Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu And I've reached the point where I've mentioned that Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud finished the life of the Fir'aun of this Ummah. And I mentioned that Abu Jal was defiant to the very end. And I should have mentioned, going back a few years, where the Prophet wasallam remember he was praying, and some of the unbelieving Quraysh chieftains, they put the dead fetus of a camel on his back. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, I couldn't help, I was too weak. But then he said at the end of the report, I saw them all dead on the day of Badr. So how many years later did he see this taken? So everybody who the Prophet cursed, the Prophet said the curse has followed them. So they were all, the curse followed them into the well. So Ibn Mas'ud of course mentioned that all of them I saw dead on the plain of Badr. But why was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud given the ultimate honor of taking out the Fir'aun of this Ummah? So Shaykh al-Hadith, Mawlana Idris Sahib Kandahrabi Rahmatullah in his Seerat al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa volume 2, page 116-7 of the English translation, he said, Perhaps it would not be far-fetched to believe that Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu was given the honor to kill Abu Jahl. For Sayyidina Abdullah radiyallahu was a unique servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whose heart was absolutely devoid of even a smidgen of pride. On the contrary, Abu Jahl was an epitome of pride and arrogance who did not even have the trace of humility in his heart. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed the killing of Abu Jahl at the hands of a fortunate man who harbored not a grain of pride. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and may he please him too and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recompense him abundantly on behalf of Islam with a reward that pleased him. Amen. So look at the beautiful clarification. So the respected Hanafi Sheikh said, look at the contrast, literally choke and cheese, heavens and earth. We learned in a previous session that Ibn Masood was absolutely pure. He had no pride, not even an iota of pride in his heart. And who is the complete opposite? Abu Jahl. So look how beautiful. He was the one who was given the honor. So note the perfection of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And like I mentioned, how many of those who were tortured now got their vengeance? Bilal. Bilal was tortured by Umayyah ibn Khalf and he was killed after the battle of Badr by Bilal. Then you've got Utba ibn Rabia, he was killed, who also you know, um, persecuted some of the companions. So Allah was fulfilling the earnest desire in the hearts of the companions for vengeance also on that plan. Indeed, the accursed Abu Jahl being called by our beloved Messenger, the Pharaoh of this Ummah, 
recorded in Nasa'i Abu Daud Ahmad ibn Katir Sira volume 2 page 296 of the English translation is fully earned. For how many others had he led to their destruction? So we don't even need to go into the wisdom. The Prophet called him the Fir'aun of this Ummah. He said he's worse than the Fir'aun. But it's interesting to go into it. There must be some great wisdom why he was called the Fir'aun of this Ummah. So the scholars point out a few striking features. For instance, the beloved uncle of our beloved Messenger, Abu Talib, on his deathbed, what prevented him from uttering the Shahada? Abu Jahl. He was at the bed. He said, you're going to leave the religion of your forefathers for your nephew. It was him. So right at the end of Abu Talib's life, he was the one, the wretch, who confused him. Walid ibn al-Mughira, Khalid bin Walid's father. He was on the verge of embracing Islam, the hadith says. The hadith is in Hakim Sahih. And Abu Bakr Siddiq invited him, Ibn Abbas records the hadith, radiyallahu and he was impressed by the by Abu Bakr and the Prophet But Abu Jahl, when he heard about this, he goes, leave him to me. When Walid came, he goes, I've got some money collected for you. So he goes, why do I need money? I'm the wealthiest person of Makkah. He goes, oh, you went to uh, Ibn Abu Kahafa's house. So we thought you needed some... Uh, and then he goes, I don't need Muhammad. I don't need Ibn Abu Kahafa. So Abu Jahl destroyed Khalid bin Walid's father. Umayyah ibn Khalaf, Safwan's father, he destroyed him. How? Umayyah ibn Khalaf, to go along narration short in Sayyid Bukhari, he was told by Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad, radiyallahu, that I heard Rasulullah say, you will be killed by the believers. So even though he wasn't a Muslim, Umayyah ibn Khalaf took it very seriously. So when the battle of Badr was taking place, he didn't want to go. But who, by nook and crook, took him to his destruction? Abu Jahl. He came with some perfume, no sense. And he goes, oh, I, I, you know, I, I thought I brought some perfume for you. Because you're not going out to battle, so you, you're with the women. So Umayyah goes, damn you, he's I'm going. And then his wife goes, have you forgot what Muhammad said? Said Allah, alayhi sallam. And Umayyah said, I'm only going to go a few stations, then I'm going to come back. But Abu Jahl took him to his destruction. Who else did he destroy? He destroyed the entire unbelieving force to their destruction, despite Abu Sufyan's message that the caravan of the merchandise was safe. So what happened? Rasulullah was targeting the caravan of Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan brilliantly moved to the coast. He evaded the Prophet then he sent a message to Abu Jahl who had sent an army out from Makkah. He goes, the caravan is safe. There's no need to engage. Everybody said, fine. Who wants to fight family? Abu Jahl goes, no. Because we're going to fight. We're going to make it a day to remember. We're going to have singing girls, dancing, music. The Arabs will never forget this day. So single-handedly, he sent the, his force to destruction. Who does that sound like? Abu Fir'un. Uh, his killing of Sayyidah Sumayyah, by thrusting a sphere into her private parts. This is what he did. So he had no, even, no respect for the women. Obviously, he tortured it. But even today, the Kofar are proud of the fact we don't strike women. This wretch thrust a sphere into the private parts of Sumayya, the first martyr of Islam. And he tortured countless others. It is related after the glorious battle of Badr, when Abu Jahl the accursed laid slain 
Our beloved Messenger sallallahu alaihi turned to Ammar and he said, "Observe, Allah subhanahu wa taala has decided the case of your mother slayer." This is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, Al-Isab, volume 8, page 114. Shaykh al-Hadith, Mawlana Muhammad Idris Kandahlawi, Rahmatullahi, in Sinat al-Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa volume 1, page 255 of the English translation. So look how beautiful. Ammar was being tortured. He saw his mother being killed by Abu Jahl. Then he saw his father, uh, Yasir, also later shortly being tortured to death. And he himself was almost killed. But he had to say something to save his life, which he did. And he grieved over that. When Abu Jahl was lay, laying dead on the battlefield, Rasulullah turned to Ammar. He goes, look, Allah has eased your heart. He goes, the one who killed your mother is laying dead. He's slapping Sayyida Fatima and Sayyida Asma bin Abu Bakr. When did this happen? So there's a report, Hafiz Suhaili relates in Rawl al-Unuf that he slapped Fatima. He was just a child out of hatred for the Prophet when Abu Sufyan ibn Harb heard this, even though he wasn't a Muslim, he grabbed Fatima's hand, he goes, come with me, goes, show me who slapped you. So she pointed to Abu Jahl, and Abu Sufyan said to Fatima, slap him. So Fatima gave him a good slap, and then the Prophet was pleased with Abu Sufyan, and maybe this is why he embraced Islam. But imagine, why are you slapping a child? Imagine somebody goes to a three, four-year-old child, girl, slap her. This is the wretch, Abu Jahl. He slapped Asma bin Abu Bakr. When? Can you remember when? MashaAllah, you're on the right track. So when Rasulullah had migrated with Abu Bakr, the forced migration, Abu Jahl goes straight to Asma's house. He goes, where's your father? So she said, no idea. And then the report goes, he slapped her and broke her earring. And so he slapped Fatima, he slapped Asma, this is in Ahmad, Asma bin Abu Bakr. And last but certainly not least, he's conspiring to kill no other than our beloved messenger himself, <laughs> forcing his migration to al Madinah. They all got together. Don't believe in Quraysh. What were they discussing? Some said, let's let him migrate, get rid of him. Because you're only sending the problem somewhere else. And Shaitan was in the gathering. He came in the image of a Naj Sheikh. He goes, that's not good. He goes, you haven't solved the problem. Huh? Somebody goes, imprison him. He goes, by imprisoning him, he goes, that's not going to... So then Abu Jahl goes, we will kill him. <laughs> but we will all kill from the various tribes. So nobody, the Banu Hashim cannot retaliate. They will accept blood money. And Shaitan goes, that's it. So who's... Uh, Mashallah did Shaitan accept Abu Jahl's? Mm -hmm. So again, note this is what the Prophet said the Fir'aun of this Ummah, Abu Jahl. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, he had goodness in him. Mm -hmm. In fact, he knew that Rasulullah was the Rasulullah. You can actually say that, mm -hmm. but that didn't save him. Mm -hmm. Once somebody came to him, I think it was Mughira uh, ibn Shu'bah, and he said to Abu Jahl, It's just between me and you. Is Muhammad the Prophet? And this was during the darkness of the night. So Abu Jahl goes, there's no doubt about it. So Mughir is listening. And then he goes, why are you opposing him then? And he goes, the Banu Makhzum and the Banu Hashim, he goes, whenever the Banu Hashim did something, we would compete. We were like two races, horse, uh, horse races racing. 
we were neck to neck. He goes, now they've got a prophet. He goes, how are we going to compete with that? He goes, I'm never going to believe in him. So he actually spilled the beans. The bean is pride. He goes, he's not from my tribe. He's, he's Banu Hashim. But he would, he knew he was the prophet. Imagine. So he knew he's taken on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Firon, isn't it? Exactly. Firon. You know he's Rasulullah Musa. What are you going to do? I'm going to take him out. And they said, out to Firon of this ummah. Also, in another report, it mentions in Ibn Hisham in his seerah, he was listening to the Quran at night. Rasulullah would recite the Quran, he had a secret spot. But then Abu Sufyan was there, and another man, and they, they rebuked each other. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, if the Quraysh find out about this, they're going to, he goes, listen, swear that we won't you know, listen to Muhammad again. He goes, yeah, we'll swear, we'll swear. Next night they came again. Abu Jal's listening to the Quran. So note again, you know, he's, you know, he was condemned and he, of course, certainly deserved this title. So Rasulullah, was he pleased upon his death? Yes. Why? Because if there's an enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nobody's more pleased than the Prophet What did he do when he heard of his death? He offered a prayer of gratitude to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Ibn Majah, Ibn Kathir Sira volume 2, page 296 of the English translation, Abdullah ibn Abu Awfa radiyallahu said, Rasulullah made two prostrations in Salah on the day he was brought the head of Abu Jahl. Rasulullah made two prostrations in Salah on the day he was brought the head of Abu Jahl. So when Ibn Masood brought his foul head, brought Abu Jahl's foul head, the Prophet did two prostrations. So this meant it was a prayer. This prayer was no other than the Duha prayer. So the, the battle was over. Imagine how quick the battle was. Started, you know, Fajr and Duha, gratitude prayer. In Tabarani, Bazar al Haytami in Majma al Zawaid, volume 2, page 238, he comments upon the chain of narrators, Hayat al Sahaba, volume 4, page 626 of the New English Translation. When Abdullah ibn Abu Awfah performed only two rakats of Salat al-Duha, his wife asked in surprise, you've only performed two rakats. He said, Rasulullah also performed only two rakats of this Salah when he was given the good news of victory and also when the head of Abu Jahl was brought to him. So let's look at this. The previous report, who mentioned Rasulullah offered two prostrations? It was the same Sahaba. Yeah. Abdullah ibn Abu Awf goes, Rasulullah did two rakats, two prostrations, when the head of Abu Jahl was brought. This report is talking about that same Sahaba. So he's offered two rakats, Salat al-Duha, his wife asks, what's this? And he explained, because Rasulullah only offered two rakats of this Salah. Now why is that important to highlight? It wasn't a prostration of gratitude. Some people say that. It's a mistake. The prostration of gratitude isn't a salah. He offered salat al-duha. Abdullah ibn Abi Awfa said, when he was given the good news and the head of Abu Jahl came. Why did he do that? One should not find this at all surprising. For our beloved messenger famously mentioned that you must offer a sadaqah daily for every joint of the body. And what did he finally say? And all this is accomplished by offering two rakats of duha. This is in Sayyid Muslim number 720. 
So the Prophet said, you've been given so many joints. And the scholars say these are the flexible joints, not the fixed, like the skull. Because the Kufar are fond of trying to find errors in revelations. Because he made a mistake. There's more than 360 joints. So, Sheikh Dr. Zaghulul al-Najjar, he queried this. Because the hadith is authentic. And then the mistake they made was they were looking at every joint. But the Prophet was referring to the move, the, the ones that you know the the ones that flex. And when they counted it, guess what they found out? Exactly 360. Did they become Muslim? Did they hackers? Right, but anyway, leaving that to one side, the Prophet said that you must offer a sadaqah for every one of these joints. And he mentioned certain deeds. What did he say covers all of the joints? Now this is very important. Why? What was the Prophet telling you about this prayer? Through his speech and through his action. What was he telling you? Through his speech and through his, what was he what was he telling you about the salat? Mm-hmm. We need to to to, to pray basically. And then it's six further. What, what was he telling you about this prayer? What's it for? Mm-hmm. Gratitude. Mm-hmm. So how many times do people say Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, the last yeah, I've been blessed with the son. What shall I do? Go on Umrah, brother. Mm-hmm. Give sadaqah. Which person says two rakats, salat al duha? Mm-hmm. Then the guy looks at you and he goes, which sheikh said that? And he goes, this day you go. Diss them from the seerat, just doing whatever you... Brother, why? I'm going to do hajj now. Hajj. Go ahead, no problem. But what did the Prophet do? He goes, what, did he, what do you mean, what did he do? Have you read the life of the Prophet? Have you studied the life of the Prophet? Just people just read it, yeah, I've read it. Raheek al-Mukhtoom, have you? MashaAllah, not taking nothing from it. So you pass an exam, so what's the best thing to do? You get ill. You think, yeah, if you cure me, I will, you know, <laughs> you get cured. Look how easy. And this is always the sign of the sunnah. Allah Ta'ala doesn't want blood. What does that tell you about that prayer? It's a special prayer. It's a very dear prayer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And also, there's another secret. The other secret of this prayer is joints. If one of those joints malfunction, You've either got arthritis or you've got rheumatism. Or, and ask the people, so painful. They go, oh, you don't realize the pain. And just maybe their knee's gone. So why don't you offer Salatul Dua? You, you haven't shown gratitude for those joints. The Prophet could have mentioned a, a plethora of blessings. He didn't mention none of them. He only mentioned the joints. He could have said, you must thank Allah for your eyesight. Did he say that? You must thank Allah Ta'ala for your uh, for your uh, your wealth, for your family. He said joints. So that tells you this is a tremendous blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who know about joints, they'll tell you that. Ask the doctors, they go, this, they go, this is something else. He goes, you know, the design of it is incredible. The fluid again, and the ligaments, and this, that, and the other. And you only realize when you have those, you know, when the elderly people have started having uh, replacements. And when you ask them, is it like the old? He goes, no, it's not bad. <laughs> Nobody says I'm better now. I'm bionic. Right? He goes, it's all right. He goes, what do you mean it's all right? It's not like the, the original. And then what happens? That needs to be uh, serviced as well. Have you ever serviced your joints? Imagine going to the MOT. Yeah, need a service and that. Okay, no problem. Just leave your car. You're not your car, your joints. 
get out, you're crazy. So Salatul Duha is a prayer of gratitude, right? Remember that. The Prophet offered it on the plane of Badr. And what's interesting, it's a sunnah. So when people say to you, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, in, um, in Surah Ali Imran, Allah Ta'ala had already given you victory at Badr when you were helpless. Will you not give thanks? So what does Allah Ta'ala say in the Quran? If you read the Quran, just see you next Ramadan, right? Allah Ta'ala says, I've already given you victory at Badr. And then people are so stupid. Oh, it doesn't apply to me. I wasn't at Badr. <laughs> Badr applies to all the Muslims. Without Muslims, with the body of the Prophet said, nobody's going to worship you, oh my Lord, if you don't send your help. That includes us. Because I gave you victory. Then what does he say? Won't you give thanks? Have you offered two rakats, Salat al-Duha, for the victory of Badr? Following the Sunnah of Rasulullah. No. Then what are you doing then? Marches. <laughs> right? All these Sunnahs, just people, you know, oblivious to the Sunnah that the Prophet And also what's fascinating about this prayer, the Prophet added another distinction to it. In Abu Dawood Sayyid Hadith, the Prophet said, whoever goes to the masjid to offer Salat al-Duha, it is like he is wearing the ihram for Umrah. Now what's strange about this authentic Hadith? Optional prayers are more rewarding at home. Salatul Duha is different. The Prophet said, Masjid. He goes, you're wearing the ihram for Umrah. Then he said, whoever comes to the Masjid to offer the obligatory prayer, it's like he's wearing the ihram for Hajj. Why the Masjid? Ours is not to question why. Ours is good to do and die. Right? Fake hadith. So when you come to the masjid, this is the best place to offer the, the Salat al-Duha. The Prophet told you, like you're doing Umrah, in Ihram for Umrah. And isn't that a sign of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Those, these facts seem to indicate that this blessed prayer should also be offered as a prayer of thanks to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the hearing of any great or pleasant news. As our beloved messenger, look what he said, something very interesting, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in Tabarani. The one who offers Salatul Duha is equal to the one who wages jihad in the path of Allah. The Bulan. How fascinating is that? So you offer two rakahs gratitude, Alhamdulillah, thank you, Ya Allah, you made it easy. I'm following the example of your beloved. You're doing jihad. I'm in Iraq for Umrah, am I in jihad as well? Yeah. The one who offers Salatul Duha is equal, not better is equal to the one who wages jihad in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Though subhanallah, this priceless prayer is also equivalent in reward to the mujahid on the battlefield. Subhanallah. And there's other reports. The Prophet said in Abu Dawood, authentic hadith, whoever offers two rakah salat al-duha, all his sins are forgiven, even if it's like the ocean. Whoever, then he mentioned four, six, eight, ten, one report says twelve. You get a palace in paradise. You get your needs fulfilled. And again, it's just one of those beautiful prayers, but it's optional. And to crown it off, Allah Ta'ala swears by it. What duha? He only swears by things that benefit you. By the mid-morning. Why does he swear by duha? And what is that surah talking about? Rasulullah. Before he talks about Rasulullah, he's swearing by duha. Right? Maybe that is why the battle of Badr finished at the time of duha. To offer the gratitude prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note again, 
you know, all this is from the seerat and we, we need to, you know, reflect upon these things. Some of the companions, they were told never to leave Salat al-Duha, even on a journey. So Abu Huraira said, I don't even leave you on a journey. And what's that? How strange is that? Everything is dropped. You only offer the farad, show and the prayer, two lakat, sunnat, fajr, okay, with the, and he's offering Salat al-Duha. He goes, I don't leave you on a journey. The Prophet told me not to leave it. Why was Abu Huraira given that? Because he was the most prolific narrator of hadith showing gratitude. Allah Ta'ala is part of his gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's in the mid-morning. And what's good about those who work, mashallah, right? Those who do the you know, traditional nine-to-five shift. You don't put that time. You got a break, have your cup of tea, get prayer matter, do shukr, two rakats, you know, to offer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all I mentioned today, was basically the end of Abu Jahl, good riddance. I should have mentioned, sorry. The Prophet wasalam, he made a very famous dua. The hadith is in Tibbadi, authentic. Oh my Lord, whichever one of the two umrs you love the most, the two amrs you love the most, guide them to Islam. Who were the two amrs? Umar And? What's his real name? His name is Amr. Umar was his nephew. So the Prophet it shows that he knew his status. He knew that he would be a great asset to Islam. He's got that presence. He's got that authority. But sadly, he didn't use it. But beautifully, when his son embraced Islam, Ikrimah, the Prophet said, I always knew goodness would come from your father. Look how beautiful. They didn't say, you're the son of the Pharaoh of this Ummah. Finally, you've come to Islam. None of that. He praised him. He goes, I always knew there was goodness. Goodness had to come from your father. So he acknowledged that. But he goes, it was his pride that was preventing him. But you've come, you know, through, mashallah. And just to add, you know, salt to the wood, Khalid bin Walid, his father died in unbelief, but his son embraced Islam. No, it's all these... You know, enemies of Islam, their sons embrace Islam, you know, subhanAllah. Are there any questions you want to ask? What time uh, does Salat al-Dawah uh, commence and what time do you go to? Okay, so simply put, without going too technical, in this part of the world, all year round, whether it's winter, whether it's summer, you can offer it safely from 9 o'clock to half past 11. Yeah, so just use that as a gauge. So anytime, whether it's summer, winter, 9 o'clock to half past 11. Minimum 2, maximum 12, if you've got time. Any other questions? Subhanahu wa bihamdi, subhanahu wa bihamdi, subhanahu wa bihamdi, ka ishru lai, la khi illa anta astaghfiru ka itubu alaykum, wa 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 alaykum, wa